Swung on, line to right. That is going to fall in front of Conforto for a hit. He fields on one hop. Here comes Quinn, the throw to the plate, and he is safe at home plate. Safe is the call. The throw beat him. Ramos applied the tag. Wagner called him safe, and for the moment, the Phillies have won the game. And that was it, and the Phillies would win the game. That was confirmed on replay as Roman Quinn gets in there under the tag of Wilson Ramos, Bryce Harper, the game-winning hit. Now to talk about this game, talk about everything with the Phillies, we bring on Phillies Nation, Locked On Phillies podcast, Tim Kelly. Tim, what's going on, man? Thrilling night uh, tonight down at the ballpark. (laughs) It didn't feel like a thrilling night the entire time, but certainly the finish ended up being thrilling. Yeah, it was it was a little dicey there for a little bit, Tim, and I, I guess we've come to expect that a little bit with the bullpen. But before we get to the negative stuff, uh, let, let's talk about some of the positive with tonight's game. Uh, Bryce Harper, late game heroics once again. I think 364 days after his grand slam against the Cubs from last year. Um, what was the feel after the game? Listen to some of the players and. What, you know, is it about Bryce that he just has this knack uh, for coming up big in these big spots? Well, I think they know that's a game they needed to win against a team that's just above them in the standings. So I I think there was a sense of relief and probably a sense from everybody that this isn't a sustainable way to win games the, the way they won tonight and really the way they've won pretty much all of their games where even in games you win, it feels like it's a bit watered down by the bullpen. As far as Bryce Harper, I mean, he's someone that has been on the spotlight since he was 16 years old on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So I think at this phase, 10 years later, married with a second child on the way, he's just very confident and comfortable in who he is. And I think he's at a stage now that he really wasn't even at when he won the MVP in D.C., where he's just very comfortable and just able to be himself. And he's no longer looked at as, the 19-year-old phenom he's just looked at as one of the best players in the game. Yeah, and it's obviously been a tough week for the team coming off that that ugly Baltimore series, really no other way uh, to put it, and a rough week for, for Joe Girardi, you know, based off some of the fundamental errors and some of the issues the bullpen has had. Um, what did Joe Girardi say after this game in terms of this maybe being a point where this team could potentially turn things around a little bit? Well, I would add in there, Bryce Harper, You, I forget what exact word you phrased it, but Bryce Harper called the Orioles series embarrassing after the game. So I think it is something where, you know, you know guys once in a while are going to miss pop-ups or there's going to be uh, issues like that. But it can't all happen in games where Jay Bruce is running the third base when the ball's hit to the right side of the shortstop and Roman Quinn and Bryce Harper both had strange plays in the outfield early in the game. I don't know that it's something that even needs to necessarily be said. They know it has to get better or they're going to be sitting at home as half, more than half the National League goes to the playoffs. Tim, that Roman Quinn play, like I, I was left-handed, so I used to have to play outfield when I was like 13, 14. That reminded me of what I would do in the outfield in like, you know, uh, in, in those kind of games. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that anyone's ever seen that. It made a great gif of him rolling his eyes, but – it was it was a very strange play. The thing about Roman Quinn, though, and he had the play against the Orioles the other night, all it takes, though, is him getting on base once. He's going to swipe a bag or two, and you're like, oh, well, you know, you kind of take the bat if once every time he gets on base, he's a threat to score just because of how fast he is. 
Right, and obviously, you know, a great slide at the end of that game. Probably could have been a better tag by Ramos, or could definitely could have been a better tag by Ramos, but uh, a heck of a slide there um, at the end. And it was funny on that play, you see JT Real Muto uh, waving to him, telling him where to slide, obviously knowing being a catcher. And to JT, another homer tonight, how amazing is it what he is doing right now? Yeah, I asked for uh, I asked Joe Girardi after the game. I said, "Is he even better than maybe you saw from an outside perspective?" And Joe Girardi said, "That's fair to say because he's gotten to see him up close. We've now gotten to see him up close, but he's already had eight home runs. Like this is not just one of the best catchers in baseball right now. This is just like one of the five or ten most complete players in the sport at this time last year. He had a great second half, but people forget he got off to a somewhat slow start in the first half last year." didn't hit his ace home run until mid-June. This year, in less than a month, he's got eight home runs already. Obviously, it's not sustainable, but he's having about as good of a contract year as you could possibly have. Now, as far as the the big debut this week in the lineup, Alec Bohm, uh, pretty impressive so far, I'd say, uh, in his first couple games. Um, a big hit, his first RBI tonight. Uh, what have you seen uh, from Alec Bohm so far? Yeah, he's someone that's going to play in the middle of the lineup for a long time. I, I really don't have any concerns about his ability to hit. I think he's going to be an elite offensive player. Defensively, I, I just I wonder if he's too big to be at third base. We've seen a couple balls, and granted they were hit hard, but he just couldn't get to the ground quickly enough on them. So we'll, we'll wait and see. I think it makes sense to give him a chance to sink or swim. He did have that nice over-the-shoulder catch in foul territory last night. My guess is maybe he'll end up being a first baseman. Maybe he'll try him in left field. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it makes sense to give him a shot. And he's going to become a guy, regardless of what position it's at, that in my mind is going to be penciled in there with Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto as guys you're just not going to take out of the lineup. Now, uh, it's interesting, Tim, you talk about possibly him transitioning to first base. And let's talk about the current first baseman who has struggled mightily so far with Reese Hoskins. And this obviously goes back to his rough second half last year. How concerned should the Phillies be about Reese right now? I think they have to be very concerned because this is going on now. You had the entire second half last year and you've had it this year. Now, he has had a couple swings over the course of the last few days that make you think he's maybe starting to break out of it. But then he also had the game a few nights ago where he struck out and grounded into three double plays. And he's someone that's very even keel. He, it's, that's the reason Reese Hoskins is sent to fan events and the media events, because he is kind of a great like face for the organization. He's a nice guy. He's intelligent. But he slammed his helmet after one of those, and that's not a huge deal. It's just it's not really in character for him. So I, I think there is some frustration there. And, uh, yeah, with Alec Bohm here, you have Scott Kingery back to kind of the super utility role. You have some options, especially as your bench has actually performed very well this year, that if he doesn't get going, you'll look elsewhere. But Joe Girardi said this, and it's something Gabe Kapler kind of got criticized for last year, but Girardi seemingly has agreed that just him getting on base with walks has kind of made it worth the Phillies keeping him in the lineup, at least in his mind. Yeah, and certainly hitting at the top, uh, walks will will help, but it was you know a little discouraging, I guess, not to see him get that hit in the ninth before Bryce was able to come up after him. We've brought up Kingery there a little bit, and I, I thought a couple of his comments before the game were interesting in regards to um, 
moving around and working at different positions last year, kind of taking a toll on him physically. Uh, should the Phillies be concerned at all now moving him back to that role if that's something that did bother him uh, last season? No, I don't think they should be. I, I I never really understood why they moved Gene Segura to third base, knowing that Alec Bohm was going to come up and Gene Segura was going to go back to second base. And unlike a lot of people, I, I thought it was good for Scott Kingery to be in that role. Now, certainly he, he can speak to it better than I how he feels physically. I'm sure it does take a toll. So maybe you'll get him more off days, which you're able to do with a bench that's significantly better than it was a season ago. But people always looked at it as a bad thing for him to be in this role. Second base, to me, is the most replaceable position in baseball. You had Cesar Hernandez here last year as a solid player. On this roster alone, you have Gene Segura, Neil Walker, Phil Gosselin as guys that can play second. I'm sure Didi Gregorius could probably play second, too. What isn't replaceable are guys like Ben Zobris and Kike Hernandez and Marwin Gonzalez that have been really valuable for contending teams that can move around the diamond, and I think that's what Scott Kingery can do. Now, I, I don't doubt that having had coronavirus, and he said he's been a little banged up, has uh, factored into him getting off to this slow start. But I, I just always kind of thought his niche is in that role, and it, it never made sense to me why people were so hell-bent on him having to play second base every day. Yeah, and, and you brought up Didi there, Tim, and I think he's an interesting guy because we all the talk – uh, about this upcoming offseason comes to JT Romito, and, and understandably so, and how much this team needs to bring him back. But how much of a priority do you think it should be to get Didi Gregorius signed long-term? It's interesting. It, it, it kind of depends how hell-bent the Phillies are on Scott Kingery playing a, a, a one position every day, whether Gene Segura is someone you feel could go back to shortstop potentially now that he's slimmed down a little bit. And it's going to depend on what Didi Gregorius' asking price is and what the market is for him. If Didi Gregorius wants another one-year deal, then I, I think the Phillies will do it. But if Didi goes for a two- or three-year deal and you have this giant free agent class next year with Francisco Lindor and Trevor Story and Carlos Correa and Corey Seager of elite shortstops, then maybe you don't go in the direction of giving him a multi-year deal. But he is kind of a glue guy, a great clubhouse guy, obviously has connections to Joe Girardi. So I'm really not sure how that's going to play out. It may end up being a situation like Josh Donaldson with the Braves last year where he bounces back and you don't necessarily want to pay him moving forward. But in the meantime, you got a great year out of him. Well, he may resign. I'm really unsure what the future holds there. And, you know, now it's time to get to the elephant in the room, which is the bullpen. And, you know, they actually had, up until the ninth inning, a pretty good night tonight. I mean, you look at, at Alvarez and Morgan and, and even guys like Blake Parker and, and Tommy Hunter uh, having clean innings tonight, and then Hector Neris not able to get it done in the ninth. Is this bullpen fixable, Tim? Sorry, said is it what? Is it fixable? I mean, I know it's not an easy question, um, <laughs> but but what what should the Phillies be looking to do to improve? Is it a matter of just bringing guys up from Lehigh Valley, or, or do you think there are any kind of trades out there that that may be able to be made in the next couple of weeks of the trade deadline approaching? Well, Matt Klintak said earlier this week he doesn't even really know what to expect, and I know the response that we get from a lot of people in Philly right now, but I, I truly don't think anyone really knows what to expect from the trade deadline. I would imagine they'll probably make one addition, but relief additions are always kind of hit or miss. You don't know. Maybe you'll get J.C. Romero. Maybe you'll get Aaron Loop. You don't, you don't know right. what you're going to get. So 
Uh, I mean, it's really a thing that's four or five years in the making of not consistently developing relievers, signing reliever, veterans to contracts, and they get hurt, it, go down the line there. You would think they're not going to have a 10-13 ERA or whatever it was entering tonight all season. But pretty much every win you've had this season, let alone the losses, tonight the game against the Braves where you had a 12-run lead going into the ninth inning, there was the, the first game of the doubleheader with the Yankees. Even in games you're winning, the bullpen leaves you with just kind of an awful taste after the game. So, uh, you know, I'm interested to see with Hector Neris. He's blown back-to-back saves, and I almost wonder if there's too much pressure on him because there's this feeling like, well, if you get it to Hector and Jose Alvarez, 100% they're going to save it every time. That's not how relief pitching works, but it kind of is the situation you're in now because you have had so many examples of not being able to get it to them that when you do, you need to be able to hammer that game. So, yeah, I don't feel great. I didn't feel great heading into the season, and I'm not necessarily sure, A, that this can change this season and even how much you can dramatically change it heading into next season. Right, and as far as the starting rotation, the starting pitcher tonight, uh, Spencer Howard, unfortunately leaves this game early. Uh, what was the update on Spencer Howard, and you know, is this going to be an, an IL stint for him? It was a, a blister on his uh, right middle finger, which is obviously his pitching hand. Uh, neither him or Joe Girardi seemed especially concerned. The Phillies have an off day Monday, so that could give him an extra rest until he starts next. So I, I would think he'll make his next start. And after the game, Bryce Harper had a great quote about him. Uh, I was said, just going to ask you about this quote, by the way. <laughs> he said, he's a guy that's going to be a dude for us. So, I mean, it's hard to win over. Bryce Harper's obviously played in the league a long time now, has a pretty good idea of what good pitchers look like. If he's that high on him, I think that's a good sign. I was going to ask you, Tim, what does that mean? Like, do, like, do you know what that means? He's a guy that's going to be a dude for us. Do you speak, Bryce? I, I, it's one of those <laughs> things where you know what it means, but then when you have to explain it, I, I can't necessarily put it into words. But, <laughs> yeah, you listen to enough baseball players talk, and I, I feel like you, you kind of get an idea of what that means, that he thinks he's legit. Right, so uh, that's Tim Kelly, uh, Phillies Nation, Locked On Phillies Podcast, uh, at Tim Kelly Sports on Twitter is where you find him. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining us for a few minutes here. Awesome. Always good to catch up, Tom. All right, take it easy, man.